It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today the Adam Ritz Show is on campus in Tallahassee. We're with the Florida State University football team, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. Oh, that's fantastic. The Seminoles, fantastic. Thank you for hosting the show. I uh, travel the country to uh, honor student athletes for their community service, their character, their integrity, and we come here to talk to uh, Seminole All-American kicker, Roberto Aguayo. Hi, Roberto. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for your time. Let's talk about your student leadership and your uh, community service, personally or uh, as the whole team. What, what have you guys been up to here? Uh, well, I'll start off as the whole team. Uh, we do a lot of events, special events, uh, especially during the spring when, uh, when we're not working out, we're not in school. Uh, we get called to go to speak to schools. A couple of us will go. Um, another event we did was Dance Marathon. I don't know if you know what that sure, is, but yeah. it raises a lot of money. And uh, a lot of our teammates went and danced with the kids and were there for a, a good while. And uh, another charity event that the team runs is uh, is the Lift for Life program. Sure. It's in other schools, but it was brought here by my roommate, Kevin Hapleer from Penn State. But this is the second year we did it, and Alec, myself, and well, the whole team was involved helping uh, fight Fanconia for Coach Fisher's son. so that's And that's uh, uplifting athletes for uh, rare disease. Yeah, we've covered that across the country before. Great. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, uh, the Dance Marathon. Who? Uh, just show of hands real quick. I know our radio audience will see this. How many guys went to Dance Marathon? Round of applause for the guys that went to Dance Marathon. So, Roberto, um, of the guys that went, who would you say is the best dancer? Uh, Wilson Bell. <laughs> Where's Wilson? Right there? Yes. Okay, so Wilson, do you have a Twitter account or face? Yeah, we, we want, will you put some dance moves on your Twitter account so our listeners can go check it out? Oh, we can't post during the season. So. Oh, that's good. That's fantastic. That's our next social media experiment. They don't, to, they don't post during the season. Very smart. Okay, but I want to see you dance. When I get, well, hold on. What? No, you don't. It's radio. You know what? When I get a, a television show, I'm coming back, and we're going to do Dancing with Wilson. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. All right. Well, Roberto, I appreciate your time and all of your hard work uh, with the community here in Tallahassee and uh, really across the country. Kids look up to you guys, and it's fantastic that you guys give back to your community. Let's have one more round of applause for the Florida State Seminoles here in Tallahassee. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. Coming to you from the office of head coach Matt Painter at Purdue University, Purdue Men's Basketball, Division I College Hoops, and we thank you, Coach, for your time. We want to talk about some social issues surrounding um, college athletics and student athletes and how you handle these issues with your kids. Let's talk about social media, first of all. Do you have a rule set with your players on how they can use Twitter, maybe during the season, off-season, all that kind of stuff? Well, we allow them to use it um, in off-season. Um, obviously, we try to educate 
facilitate them and, and use it as a positive tool um, to help uplift our institution, them, their family, um, what have you, and, and use it really, like I said, as, as a positive tool. And then when the season starts, um, we don't let them use it. And so I, I think it's something from a, from a trust standpoint. Um, I'm probably halfway there um, with them. Um, a lot of the things that it's, it gets used for is, is negativity. And we just don't want to put them in that position when they're they're frustrated, they're upset, you know, a bad call in a game, something happens with their girlfriend, you know, whatever it might be to now the, the constantly be, you know, on Twitter. And a little bit of it from my standpoint is I think it's so hard. It's so hard to be good as a major college athlete. So, you know, you have your academics, you know, you have basketball, and now just trying to keep your focus there. You know, if you're always on that and that's your, you know, it's your, your main focus, you've got away from your improvement as a person and as a student, as a player. That's a great point about it's time management. I mean, yes. you, you can say something stupid on Twitter. You can use it positively to promote your basketball team in the university, but it also it takes time. And if you're spending time on Twitter and Facebook during the season, then you're not focused on hoops in the game and what's coming up. Yeah, and it's like anything. Um, you know, you, you talk with a lot of professional athletes, and, and they're you know everybody says, you know, why are these so many of these guys end up having this vice? You know, you know whether that's drinking or whether that's drugs or, or what have you. Um, we're all competitive. We're all wired. We know we all want that high, and, and a lot of that high is our competition. And sometimes when you're away from that competition, you still want that high. And when that happens, you get consumed with things. You might get consumed with, um, you know, your partner or a girlfriend or something like that. You might get consumed, you know, with this. And so you're just trying to give them some balance. You're, you're trying to help them. Every coach out there, especially an old-school coach, will talk about a, a girlfriend who ruined their basketball season because it got into the guy's <laughs> head. And that used to be the big thing. You'd be careful. Be careful about, you know. Now there's so many different things out there. And, and sure, drugs and alcohol um, were out there before. Now everybody knows your business. And so now trying to manage that to the best of our abilities. I don't know if I'm right. We, you know, we try to work towards being right. Um, so I'm always open to listen to what people have to say because it is here to stay. Now, as far as social media, we're several years into how it's affected athletics and student athletes. Um, I'm sure years ago, a few years back, when a coach would – ban Twitter from the season, there'd be some pushback, some student athletes at that age, that generation. Right. What are you kidding me, coach? This is how we communicate. This is what we do. How can right. you take this away from us? Right. I, I kind of got to believe now that after all that's been done, after a few years, it's kind of like, the, the, would the players say, yeah, you know what, coach, you're right. Let's focus on hoops. Let's win a championship. Yeah, and you're going to have um, some disagreement. You're going to have some people um, on your team that, that really want to do it. And I, and I think it's good to, to be able to talk through things. And there's things that they disagree with their parents. Um, but there still has to be some order. And, and, and what you do. And, you know, maybe this isn't for you if you think your priority is Twitter. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, with, with your religion and with education and family and basketball, there's some things that come before Twitter. You know, if, if you're fighting for Twitter, um, you know, let's fight for something that really matters to you. There's nothing wrong with fighting for things that matter to you. So, Coach Painter, online, on Twitter, on Facebook, do you Instagram? <laughs> Nothing. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I text. I, I call people. I, uh, I'll email on occasion. Uh, but that's all I do. Um, they're, they're, if anybody's ever used uh, my handle, my name, whatever, um, it, it's been somebody else or somebody who's, who's not supposed to. So I, I just try to keep things simple. Um, but my kids do, and, and so I understand a little bit of it. I don't understand a lot of it. 
Well, we're talking to Coach Matt Painter about some social awareness on the Adam Rich Show. We thank you for your time, and you mentioned your kids. Let's talk about fatherhood. Uh, how old are your kids? Um, 19, 15, and 9. So I have uh, two girls and a boy. Um, the boy's in the middle. So it is, uh, it's challenging. Um, yeah. It's fun. I think when you're, you're spread out um, in, in terms of ages, you know, you see the differences in, in what they go through, right? If somebody gets through something, the other one's getting into it, and it just kind of keeps going. But uh, um, it's, it's pretty cool. And I think it's um, when you have some frustrations or you have some down times, you know, you, you know your kids um, are, are, are something special. It makes you realize, you know, what you're fighting for and what you're trying to provide for them. We loved getting the coach perspective on fatherhood because you're a father to your players. Right. You're a coach to your kids. I mean, yeah. they, they're one and the same almost. Yeah, and, you know, your kids every now and I'll tell you, you know, you know quit treat me like a player, you know, or something. Um, what, when you make them run laps? or <laughs> Of that nature. But um, – there, there's so many things um, with the game of basketball that relate to life, and you can learn lessons from it. And so when they get into their own activities and their own sports, you know, you're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict. You know, learn from those things so it can help you in life. And that's, that's something that I'm always talking about with our guys and always talking about um, with our kids. Because if you can learn to be forthright and, and learn to deal with difficult people, um, you know, you're going to be successful in life. Coach Matt Painter, Purdue basketball, Purdue alumni. Purdue student, athlete here at Purdue. Uh, let's talk about academics. As a student athlete, when you were here, uh, was it as hard as I think it would be to be involved with a six, seven, eight-hour-a-day sport like basketball and have to study? Well, it's a, a little bit different um, then than it was now, and you always hear those stories. And I'm in my early 40s, so it was, you know, 20, 25 years um, to when I started and I, and I finished. Um, you know, now we will have a day off or two days off during a week, and back then they had no rules in terms of about a day off. And so we, we started, we probably had close to 35, 40 practices in a row um, my first year as, as a freshman. So now guys have a couple days off, and it's, it, it is different. I think we've really helped with some of the rules, especially from a physical um, you know, standpoint, but um, it is taxing and it is hard. And if you don't have good time management skills, you make it close to impossible. And so I always try to let guys know about, hey, you're going to have a day off, but a day off doesn't mean you don't do anything. You know, you don't have a day off just because you might not go into work one day doesn't mean you don't do anything. Um, you're always trying to work towards making things easier for you, but it's not going to be easy. Sometimes a day off for our guys now, it sets them back. They're mentally not quite ready the next day. Um, they slept for 15 hours. You know, take that day as a study day. Take that day as a, um, as a day to help prepare you so you make your life easier. What's your best advice as a coach, as a father, as a Purdue alum, as a, a graduate? Uh, with time management, we hear a lot, and that's a big key to academics, whether you're in sports or not. Um, your son, your daughter going to college. You, you could get in a time machine and talk to yourself yeah. as an 18 year old freshman. What's yeah. the one piece of advice you'd give yourself academically concerning time management? I would say, you know, try to be early, um, get out in front of your problems more than anything. Um, once something um, pops up that's an issue, now you know it's going to be an issue after that. You know, get out in front of that problem. Try to talk to people um, that have been in that class. Try to talk to people that have been in that major. You know, try to get out in front of things. Instead of going into things blind, you know, educate yourself with other people that have experience because you don't. And a lot of times when you do that with a father or with a coach or whatever, you really look at him. I played for a guy that was seven-time national coach of the year. And at times, you know, it's a byproduct of youth. You think you know more than him. 
um, but you're 19 years old and that, that's, that's the way you're wired and you quickly realize you don't, but it does take some time before you do that. And um, the one thing that most of us have to do is learn through our own experiences. You know, you, you hear it from your mom, you hear it from your dad, you hear it from your coach. You just don't believe it 100% until you go through it and normally you have to learn a hard lesson. You sort of just touched on a topic we talk about a lot, mentoring. You mentioned uh, the coach you played for, seven-time National Coach of the Year, yeah. Gene Cady. Uh, you're still in touch with him. He, yeah. I'm assuming he was a big mentor to you. How, how does that make you feel in the present towards the young guys now that are looking at you the way you looked at Gene Cady? Yeah, well, you, you know, you end up looking at somebody like that, and you'll never think that you would be like that. Then you slowly start to become um, that person and what they stand for. Um, uh, you don't always agree with people, but I think the people that you respect as time goes on are the people that told you the truth. And he always told me the truth, and I always didn't leave his office um, feeling great. Um, but in time, you, you know, he was hitting you between the eyes with things, and he was trying to help you. And sometimes you got to fall down a little bit. Sometimes you got to get some bad news, um, and that's the best thing for you. Someone always telling you that you're okay isn't the best thing in the world. It is okay at times to pat somebody on the back or give them positive encouragement. I'm not saying that. But for him, he was always just so honest, and uh, that was something I've taken with me in, in, in my job. Now, with student-athletes and service projects uh, on campuses across America, uh, it's very encouraged for, encouraged for a student-athlete to be involved with their campus, their community, right. and with um, just philanthropy in general, coast-to-coast. Coast. Anything going on with your guys through the course of the year as far as philanthropy and charity and community service? Well, our guys do um, a variety of things. I think the best thing for them to do is be able to um, give their time to kids, you know, and, and whether it's, um, you know, they're reading to kids in the elementary schools, you know, or whether they're, you know, they're, they're mingling with kids at, at the cancer walk. Um, I've done a lot of stuff with coaches versus cancer and, um, you know, and, and in things of that nature, we do different things. Um, you know, in our community to try to get them. We'll go to a boys club and do a clinic. We'll have a, um, a thing here for, for Christmas break where um, we have uh, different kids that, that, you know, might not have the Christmas that they need here in this community, mm -hmm. and we bring them and their families in, and we and each one of our players takes them, and we get money donated, and our players take a little bit out of their per diem for Christmas break, and they go there, and they go on a shopping spree like at Walmart or something like uh, something like that, and they get $225, $250. And just to see those kids, you know, eyes light up. And I always talk to them about I grew up in Muncie on Ball State's campus, and when, when I was six, seven years old, I could tell you every player on Ball State's team and what I thought of them. And now as I go back and I, and I look and I see, I said, you know, I looked up to guys that were just okay basketball players. You know, some of them on Ball State's team are pretty good, but some of them are just okay. But I looked up to them. I thought that was a big deal. And never forget that. Never forget that you've got little eyes watching, and you can make an impact on somebody. You can make an impact on somebody by just doing the right thing or saying something positive um, to somebody who's in some, you know, real formative years, you know, as a seven or eight year old. Well, I'll tell you, I, uh, I went to Purdue myself, alum, and I was here about the same time you were. I think I saw you wandering around Chauncey Hill a couple of times. Definitely saw you in the stadium in Mackey. Uh, I love the golf course here. So if you ever want to get the, the Coach Painter golf outing going for charity, I'm in, okay? There you go. Sounds good. <laughs> Coach Matt Painter is our guest and, again, played here at Purdue. Best uh, in-game moment for you on the court, three-point shot. Give me something. Um... You know, for me, it was um, kind of an empty feeling because one of the things that, that drew me to Purdue 
um, was the fact that he always talked about if you played four years at Purdue, you're going to get a Big Ten championship. My freshman year, um, we are in a very close game, and, and we ended up getting second, losing the game, and not getting a Big Ten championship. And then my first three years in coaching, Purdue won the Big Ten all three years. So it got sandwiched right there. They won in 87. They won in 88. I came in 89. I left in 93. They won in 94, 95, 96. So to me, it was, you know, I had that void. And so being able to win the Big Ten championship um, as a coach um, was probably the, the, the best experience that I've had here at Purdue. Final question, Hollywood. I see the credits roll in the movie Blue Chips. Matt Painter's name is in the credits of Blue Chips. Yeah. However, I've seen that. I like movies and I like sports, yeah. so I've seen that movie a dozen times. Yeah. I've never seen you in the movie. Yeah. Did your part get cut out of the movie? No, I'm actually in it. You're in it three or four times. <laughs> actually, I score a basket in it. So, okay, which team are you on so I can watch that again? Thirty pounds ago, so you might not recognize me. Um, I think it was the Coast Cutters. Uh, maroon jersey. Maroon so jersey. I, I think it's the second game of the movie, but don't, but do not hold me to that. I don't even know my number. So okay. Yeah. Well, you, you, do you get uh, residuals every time that shows <laughs> yeah. on HBO? Do you get a small check for three dollars? I wish. I wish. <laughs> I'd take it. Well, Coach Matt Painter, we can't thank you enough for your time uh, and your efforts as a coach here at Purdue and for uh, all that you do with community service and, and making sure your guys know about the social causes out there and how important that is off thank the court. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hi, my name is Doug Lanfer. I'm the Executive Director, Delta Kappa Epsilon Fraternity, and you are listening to The Adam Ritz Show. And welcome back to the show. Our special guest is Martin George. Martin, hello and how are you? Hi, good to meet you. <laughs> you are CEO of LTC. A lot of initials there. Tell us about LTC. Well, LTC started about 22 years ago, really helping foreign-born internationals who came here for business um, do their job well. So we taught them language and culture. Now we've really expanded translation, interpreting, cross-cultural training. So we're doing a lot of different things 22 years later. Well, I want to talk about your foundation work okay. uh, here in a minute, but um, as far as languages go, I, I've met you at several conferences, mm -hmm. and you work with so many athletes, professional athletes, cross cultures. Mm -hmm. um, you get a you, one of your stories I remember from one of the conferences was about Yao Ming. Yeah. Um, everybody remembers seven foot five inch Chinese mm -hmm. uh, basketball player comes to America, plays in Houston, doesn't speak a lick of English. You worked with him. Yeah, you know he came over and he was at uh, one of those FIFA World competitions, and Rudy Tomjanovich wanted to talk to him. They couldn't talk to each other, so Rudy said, can you interpret for me for a little bit? And all Rudy said to him is, run, 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 get in condition. But, you know, if you can't really talk to the athletes, you know, you have a problem there. And so we've worked with a lot of Major League Baseball teams, the Giants, the Cardinals, won the World Series, and they really say we helped them because you have coaches and their teammates who cannot communicate with them, and they're trying to tell them, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bunt, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to play small ball, get the person over there. And they don't get it. And so they really have to have us come in from, you know, spring training, single A, high A ball, all the way through, help their, you know, athletes really get it linguistically and culturally. Because, you know, if people don't like each other on the sports field, it doesn't work either. So you work with the San Francisco Giants. They win the World Series. I mean, do you see an instant... Um 
a bump in your business with other teams? Like, oh, we got to work with this Martin George guy. He's got to help our guys learn how to speak English. He's got to help our coaches learn how to speak Spanish. You know, humbly, I would say, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, because at one time, didn't we have the Cardinals, Giants, then Cardinals? And so the only thing in common from the World Series winners were us. And, you know, it's the teams that get it. You know, they're investing time, money, and energy really into player development. And they're seeing, you know, yeah, we might say language is a soft skill, a soft study, but I think in business or in sports, if you cannot communicate effectively, how can you do your job? And so we're helping the, you know, the stud shortstop do his job out there. You know, he's got to communicate with everybody else on that team effectively. Well, we bring you on the show to talk about uh, education, academics, you know, languages. Um, Everybody listening to this English-speaking radio show speaks English. Uh, Some of our listeners are young, and they're uh, growing up, and they're getting involved in their studies. And um, I like to bring guys on the show that know a lot about a certain, I guess, uh, course of study. And, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Spanish with baseball, and it's not just Spanish. I mean, Yao Ming, you speak Chinese. How many languages do you speak? Well, you know, in my PhD, they really exposed us to about 20 languages right now. You know, I probably, you know, can handle about six, seven on a good day. What, okay, so what, what's the eighth language you speak that isn't on that list? Well, you know, um, so you go you go in language clusters, like Slavic languages. So you go um, Polish, Russian. So you try to go language groups. Chinese, I have Chinese, Cantonese, um, Fukunese, Taiwanese, Japanese. Then So you try to get language groups, you know, Spanish, Romance, language. Everybody understands that. I think, again, what they don't understand is really you want a career in the NBA – NBA is building um, arenas in China. You work for the NBA. You speak some Chinese. What do you think your career looks like? I mean, so I would encourage anyone who's out there doing anything, really learn another language, learn something that really makes you more marketable to these companies or sports properties who want to hire you. I mean, you know, I meet these young guys. I was just down with the Toronto Blue Jays in um, Dunedin, Florida. And this young guy, he used to work um, for one of the Smith Barneys, something like that. Got a job with a Blue Jay. You know why? He speaks Spanish fluently. So he gets to go back and forth to the Dominican Republic. He gets to work with all their, you know, talent and athletes coming through. Loves his job. I mean, absolutely loves it because he speaks Spanish. The key reason, he knew baseball too, played baseball college, you know, had that background and really wanted to be in baseball. He did not like going to an office, sitting in a cubicle. Spanish opened the door for him. Now, I'm sure you work with all kinds of corporations, um, biz- global business, people coming to America that can't speak English. And um, but, but you know what? I just like to focus on the sports because I've got a little sure. bit of a sports background. We cover a lot of sports on this radio show. Um, you know, I can generalize baseball, um, the Latin American, Spanish-speaking, um, hockey would probably be French. Um, yeah, can, right. can you really uh, Formula One racing? I mean, what what um, well, you have Portuguese, Germany, German, German? Yeah, you have those. You know, and really, you think about um, one of the things we forget, like the LPGA. So, 144 girls every week go out and play golf. 95 of them, English is not their first language. Koreans, number one. You know, yeah, and you think about the baseball players that we're getting now. We're seeing Japanese baseball players, Taiwanese baseball players, Korean baseball players. You still have about 32% of our Major League Baseball players speak Spanish as their first language. That's a big percentage. That's a huge percentage. 
Martin George is our guest, the CEO of LTC. Um, the company started as Language Training Center, mm -hmm. and it has grown into uh, LTC. What's the full name of the company, and how do we find well, it online? You know, we had to go to uh, LTC Language Solutions because offering written translation, oral interpreting, Language Training Center didn't really get it. You can find us at languagetrainingcenter.com. We kept okay. that. You know, we're get, coming out with a new website in about a month, so you'll be able to find us there. You know, Twitter, LinkedIn, you can find Martin George on LinkedIn, all of that. We're doing it. And you're a guy that uh, you mentioned you got your Ph.D., languages. Yeah. You speak seven or eight fluently. And um, you grew that love of language into a, a, a corporation. You've got two national locations, headquarters. How many employees do you have? You know, um, do you want to tell me how many I put on payroll or how many Obama tells me I have? <laughs> <laughs> That's the new thing, isn't it? He tells me I have 88 full-time employees. I think kicking around here, we have about 45 in uh, Indianapolis and five full-time in Orlando right now. Is there a pecking order in your company um, as far as the people on staff that can only speak English, I mean, do you feel sorry for those people? You know, I do feel – here's why I feel sorry, um, Adam, because every time I go with them, they'll say, how many languages do you speak? That's what you ask me. I, I know. And so everybody thinks you're working for a language company. So, you know, it is a disadvantage, and, and we let them study languages for free. So if they want to, they can certainly hop in with one of our instructors. Well, I know there's a thousand stories. We touched on Yao Ming. We touched on uh, World Series champion San Francisco Giants. Uh, top of your head, uh, another favorite story of yours from working with professional athletes? Well, you know, um, maybe I'll go racing. Vitor Mira, you know, Vitor um, really didn't have that. Uh, he, he never won an Indy Racing uh, League championship, but, you know, he came here and, and really needed sponsorship. And so we were able to work with him, get him to do interviews. And really the reason I point that out is because uh, sponsorships, everything in racing. And so really trying to find those sponsors. We we were able to help him with interview skills just like this, be able to speak to sponsors and hang out. I mean, I think you got, you got to remember, even like LPGA girls, I mean, these girls need sponsors on their hats and bags. Mm -hmm. You go out there and you can't speak, you're from Korea and you're kind of shy and you can't get a sponsor. I mean, it really wrecks their career. So we work with about 50 LPGA girls, you know, we have in the past and, you know, we continue to help some of them. Beatrice Ricari just uh, called me the other day and said, I have two Japanese sponsors coming on with me because of my work with you over the last two years. I set the course. I wanted to have Japanese sponsors. I've been studying Japanese. Thank you. You know, that's, you know, we, we feel proud of that. That's very, that's something you should be proud of. That is very, very cool to hear. Uh, Martin George, our guest, CEO of LTC, and we want to move to your foundation work now, your company. Uh, we like to highlight a lot of the service work going on across the globe, and uh, what are some of the projects you guys do? Well, you know, I think uh, you probably read Conscious Capitalism. I mean, conscious capitalism really is what we're about. It's not about growing a big company, and it's not getting all you can, canning on you, all you get, sitting on your can. So we have a, a foundation called Cyprus International. We do a lot with um, homelessness in Orlando and other markets around the country. We've partnered with a group, Devereaux. They're in 30 um, states around the country, and they help with um, you know disenfranchised, disabled kids, even human trafficking. And then we um, just uh, are building a habitat at home. So we're partnering with organizations like that to sort of give back to the community. Does the, the home you're building, uh, Habitat for Humanity, um, I don't know if this is a stupid question, but I'll ask it. Um, does your background as an expert in several languages 
feed into how the house is being built? No. Is there an intercom system that, that, that has several different radio stations from across the planet? You no, know, one of the things um, we have, a, one of the things you might not think about is we do a lot of sign language. So we did ask Habitat, is there some deaf family that, that could use a house? But, you know, what they really do is they have people in sort of a, a pecking order who've qualified. So we were happy to help whatever the next family was. And, you know, it was so great to have our team out there. We had, you know, the president, Hannah Perkey, was on the roof with my sales guy. Doug Price, and you know it's good to just be out there rolling up your sleeves. I got a little sunburn, you know, and and so, but you know, you want to give back. You don't want to just sit in your office and really do what you do all all the time. I mean, we're giving our staff a day off a week for the next six weeks to go out and build that house. So every Friday, um, a different group gets to go out and work on that house. That is awesome and inspirational, and it makes me want to get off my couch and help out, and hopefully our listeners hear these type of stories too and want to get involved in their community. Uh, I have to ask you about the sign language. Now, you brought up that. I, right over my head, I think of a language expert that speaks seven languages. I didn't even think that you handle sign language as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, um, we didn't start doing that, but probably eight to ten years ago, we had a lot of our clients saying, you know, this is probably our toughest nut to crack. You know, there are federal mandates, state mandates. If you're doing something public, you have to, it's by law, you have to have a sign language interpreter there. And so what we really have um, done, Adam, is if we can't do it well, we're not going into it. So I had to do like hiring RID certified interpreters. We're hosting conferences. We have one um, in our office in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's in the Midwest. But And so we just do things like that, you know, that, that really uh, give back to the community. And, and we're pretty proud of what we're doing with the sign language community. So you started with languages. You maybe didn't know or see the future with the sign language on board. You adapt. It's pretty amazing. Martin George, our guest, LTC, you're the CEO, the founder, the owner, the president, you're the head honcho, uh, eight languages, working with professional athletes, corporate entities across the planet, um, bring, make, really making the world a smaller place. Your service work with Habitat for, your, for Humanity and, um, and, and your foundation work, is that all on your website as well? You know, I would like to say yes, but I think on our new website it will be for okay. sure. Yeah. So it's it's LTC, and the website currently is learning language I'm sorry. Language training center dot com. Right. Martin, pleasure having yeah, you on, you. and you. Um, I'm a Florida guy. I get down to Orlando a lot. I'd love to have you on the show uh, as a recurring guest We're to right talk here about in Florida Mall. Come and see us. Okay. You, you touched so many areas that we cover that I'd love to have you on in a couple months. Yeah. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Martin George, our guest. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Check us out online, adamritzshow.com, and you can always follow us on Twitter, at Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.